Hello, I'm Dr. Brian Cole, your host of Sports Medicine Weekly. In today's episode, we'll be on pickleball injuries. Pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in the United States. But before we have our interview with Brandon Abansi and talk about pickleball injuries, we'll have a word from our sponsors. The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is brought to you by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Being your best means always getting better. Whether you're looking to improve performance, relieve chronic back pain, or restore mobility through minimally invasive joint replacement surgery, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush delivers results. Their specialists are top ranked in Illinois and among the nation's best, working together to make your recovery faster, more complete, and a seamless experience. They'll get you back to living pain-free, often without surgery, so you can be your best every day. Schedule an appointment online at rushortho.com. Enhanced Medical Nutrition. Enhanced Medical Nutrition builds clinical nutrition products to help patients prepare better and recover faster. The Ortho Nutrition Bundle is a four-week perioperative nutrition program containing their clinical-grade whey protein isolate and complex carbohydrate powder. Developed in collaboration with internationally renowned nutrition researchers and surgeons, the Ortho Nutrition Bundle is designed to maintain muscle, support wound healing, and improve the recovery experience. To learn more, please visit www.emn.health. Karen Malkin Health Counseling. Have you tried Karen Malkin's new protein brownie bar and superfood bars? They're the best tasting bars on the market. Certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's Protein Brownie Bars and Superfood Bars available on Amazon and at KarenMulkin.com. Vericell. Vericell develops, manufactures, and markets autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit www.vcell.com. That's V-C-E-L.com. You do a lot of listening in your lifetime. You listen to your doctor, your spouse, and this podcast. It's time to listen to your body. At Rush Physical Therapy, our expert therapists can help you get rid of your aches and pains to get you back to what you love. Go to RushPT.com to learn more. Welcome back. As I mentioned, this episode will be on pickleball and pickleball injuries. Pickleball is a fascinating sport. It's one of the fastest growing sports in the United States. There's an estimated 5 million people playing it regularly. I too play it. It's quickly becoming the sport of choice for adults over 50, and in fact, 17% of those who play are over 65 years old. Those of you who are not familiar with it, the game is played both indoors and outdoors. It's played on a court that is sort of like ping pong, badminton, and tennis. But unfortunately, and this is something that I'm seeing in my office, as the popularity of the sport has been increasing, so do the injuries. The high injury rate can be attributed to the fact that most players tend to be over 50 and many of them were largely sedentary before picking up their pickleball paddles. So today I will welcome Rush physical therapist Brandon Abonse to the podcast. We'll talk about pickleball injuries and how to avoid them and maybe most importantly how to treat them and get an athlete back to sport. But I think before we interview Brandon I want to tell you a little bit about pickleball. Just give you an overview of the sport. So pickleball is a paddle sport. It combines elements of tennis, badminton, ping pong, and it uses as a paddle and a, and a plastic ball, sort of a wiffle ball with holes, although it has different weights to it. It's appropriate for players of all ages, all skills. You don't have to play tennis or badminton or uh, ping pong to play it. The rules are pretty simple. It makes it a great introductory paddle sport. 
It's actually pretty challenging. It's very fast-paced, and it's extremely competitive. As people become more experienced at it, they get to rise up in higher levels and play in different leagues. Because the rules are somewhat similar to ping pong, it's easy to learn and play at any level that can range from a low impact to social play, as I mentioned, to something that's very, very competitive. I've actually found it to be a great workout, and it's a great alternative for older players who are used to playing tennis or racquetball who lose some of that movement. It actually provides uh, provides a pretty good overall body workout. It can help with balance, agility, reflexes, hand-eye coordination, and it doesn't put excessive stress or strain on our bodies. But as I've mentioned, it can also lead to injuries because it's so fast-paced, and it also takes people who are previously often sedentary and puts them into this active role. Now, pickleball-related injuries have been on the rise with an estimated 19,000 of them occurring each year. A recent analysis on lower extremity injuries from pickleball showed that a total of 172 pickleball-related injuries involved the lower extremities, resulting in a national estimate of 10,500 such injuries. Of the estimated injuries, 6.6 occurred over the previous early years and has grown over the last three to four years to about 80% sustained some type of injury. And what's even more fascinating is that patients over 60 account for nearly 80% of these injuries, and most of them were male. Now, fortunately, these are often not serious injuries, the most common being sprains and strains, and sometimes there's fractures. Sometimes we see lower extremity injuries, soft tissue, ankle, and so forth. So I thought it would be great to have a new expert in physical therapy, uh, a physical therapist, Brandon Abonse, who is relatively also relatively new to pickleball, and I want to hear how he actually got involved. And we'll talk a little bit about pickleball injuries, what he's seeing, what we're doing to treat them, and how do we get these athletes back to sports. So, Brandon, welcome to Sports Medicine Weekly. Hi, Dr. Cole. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I'm just curious, how did you first, are you a tennis player? Did you, how did, are you a, pick, are you a ping pong player? How did you first get introduced, introduced to pickleball? Uh, so I recreationally love to play ping pong, tennis, badminton, kind of grew up playing uh, all sorts of those sports. Um, how I got into pickleball was actually through the clinic itself. Uh, I treat a lot of patients that end up being part of the pickleball club in the local area that I'm from. Um, so a lot of them would always just talk about how great it is and all this stuff. So then I actually went out and joined them one day. I had a mentorship session with me and a couple other of the uh, therapists from the clinic. We went out, they taught us a game, and since then I've been uh, playing a little bit on my own. Are you Have you given up some of the other paddle sports in favor of pickleball? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And um, you, so you're a physical therapist, you're with Rush PT, and I know you're uh, part of the program that is uh, out in uh, Palatine that has uh, provided some opportunities for pickleball players to come in and learn about injury prevention and, and recovery and so forth. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And so what, what are the programs that you're offering actually? Yeah, so again, it's with the local Palatine Pickleball Club. Um, for the past couple of months, we've had some sessions where they get to come in. Each one is based on a couple different things. Um, the most recent one being some sort of dynamic warm-up, either before or after a cool-down, uh, just to kind of prevent some sort of injuries with the sport. Because, again, it requires a lot of cutting agility-type exercises, so you really want to make sure that your body is warmed up for that. So, you know, as I alluded to, we the, statistically, the incidence of pickleball injuries has gone up pretty much exponentially over the last couple of years. Uh, give me a sense of what you've seen in the clinic setting in terms of an increase in frequency of these injuries. Yeah, so I think with that, just because of how popular it's become, 
people are getting into it quicker. So whether their body is ready for it or not, they're jumping into it. They're playing many hours at a time, especially in the summer. I have patients who come in, they're playing three to four hours a day, kind of every day. So again, it's those overuse type injuries, whether it's at the shoulder, it's at the uh, lower extremity, at the ankle specifically, um, we kind of see it all. Yeah. Give me a sense of what you're seeing. I know what I'm seeing in the office and it's often related to the rotator cuff. I'm seeing some elbow overuse injuries in some ways, not much different than tennis. Um, and then I'm just seeing, you know, aggravation of, you know, because it's an older population in many instances, there's a lot of preexisting disease that goes on around there, out there that, you know, is pretty quiescent until people achieve a high level of activity. And then they aggravate uh, these conditions such as underlying arthritis and they come in with a swollen knee that's painful with loss of motion, things like that. Those are the things that I'm seeing in my clinics. How about yourself? What are you seeing? Yeah. I mean, you hit it right on. Uh, so a lot of it is shoulder stuff, whether it was a previous injury that they've had. And then, like you said, it's maybe been kind of quiet recently, uh, but then they jump into the sport and then they're doing a lot more activity and a higher volume than they're used to. Um, biggest thing we see is a lot of rotator cuff, uh, whether it's a tendinopathy or it's a strain and occasionally there is uh, a tear in through there, but we can manage it conservatively as well. So give me a sense of, you know, because it's an older population, I think the big ticket here is that you're dealing, as I mentioned, you're dealing, we're dealing with people who have a lot of pre-existing sort of asymptomatic problems. Even rotator cuff disease is one of those conditions where uh, many people don't know they have it. You know, millions of people walk around with rotator cuff tears but have no pain, right? Because they're well adapted. But then they go out and adopt this new sport and they do some funky move that puts them over the edge and then they become symptomatic. And that's when things kind of spiral. Um, I, you know, I think the, the big thing that we don't focus enough on, I, I, I believe in managing patients with orthopedic injuries is how we actually sort of avoid or prevent injury. Do you have any words of wisdom you can tell some of our, our listeners to this podcast and how they might actually avoid having pickleball injuries? Yeah. So a lot of that's going to become with upper extremity strengthening or lower extremity strengthening in general. So whether you're new to kind of exercise or not, it's easy to kind of pick up some, some bands and from anywhere or. Maybe a lot of people have gone to physical therapy before, have some bands. So pretty easy to kind of just work on some banded rotator cuff type strengthening exercises, do some dynamic uh, shoulder exercises before getting into pickleball and just making sure that your body is prepared for the requirements of the sport. How, how do you, what do you think the easiest way for someone to do a program on their own? I know you guys will do walk-ins with Rush BT and so forth, but you know, for the average individual who's motivated but wants to prevent injury, what would you recommend as far as a resource, um, you know, to get into some of these preventative uh, dynamic movement exercise programs? Yeah, I mean, we can be a resource as physical therapists ourselves. Uh, so you can come in, we can have a complimentary injury screen. So even though um, maybe you're not having an injury currently, maybe you want to prevent one. So we can kind of fill that role as well preventatively. Um, and you can even come in and just do some sort of strengthening exercises. And what about warming up? You know, I think that's all, you know, for any of the sports that we do, uh, we will sort of always recommend this sort of dynamic, uh, you know, inter introductory exercise and movements. What would you recommend for some of these individuals who may not have a lot of, you know, experience in doing these things to actually warm up and maybe prevent injury itself? Yeah. So the key thing with dynamic warmups is keeping it consistent with your sport and relevant to what, relevant to what you're going to be doing. Um, so whether it's going to be lower extremity, so maybe kind of lateral lunges, doing some cross steps, upper extremity, doing some sort of windmill type exercises and just practicing swinging for a couple minutes, um, doing kind of some dinking, what they call in the sport, 
just to kind of get everything moving before you really get into the full competitive aspect of the sport. You know, it's, it's interesting. There was a couple of, um, review, really good review articles. There was one that was in the journal of emergency medicine that was published just a couple of years ago and sort of looked at the types of injuries and about 30% of them were sort of in that sprain or strain category. It was fascinating that about a 30% of the reported injuries were actually fractures. And those are some of the things that I've seen where people trip, they sort of catch the front of their foot and they land and I've seen patella fractures and lots of contusions and abrasions. Um, haven't seen, uh, I've actually seen a couple of concussions, um, you know, but most of the stuff that we're seeing is pretty low level sprains and strains and things of that nature. We've seen, um, and one of the things that has been reported, like a lot of Achilles strains. Um, and as I mentioned, I think just because this population tends to be a little bit older and rotator cuff disease is a disease of what I call attrition or degeneration, we're seeing a lot of rotator cuff injuries. It was actually an article in the New York Times because everyone's writing about pickleball now just because it's so popular. Um, and it's also big business that, um, it's been, there's been a significant uptick in, uh, upper extremity or rotator cuff, uh, disease as well as, you know, patients presenting for just sort of somewhat urgent, urgent treatment. Uh, that those are things that I'm seeing in my office. How are you, how are you guys actually screening some of these patients? How are they, how are they getting into you? So they come into us, um, just because we have that partnership. A lot of times they come in just from word of mouth, you know, they hear that, We've treated some of the other members in the clinic or from their uh, club. So they come in uh, to us or a lot of times their orthopedic refers them in, um, which at that point we would do during our evaluation or whether it's in the complementary injury screen, we kind of decide if they're appropriate for PT, which a lot of the times they end up being appropriate because as you mentioned, maybe they're going into it more sedentary. Uh, so then that's when we would do our full evaluation and kind of take everything into consideration at that point. That's great. You know, so let me ask you a, a sort of non-injury thing. Do you have any uh, knowledge about how the game was developed, how it got its name? You got any fun facts? Because I've got some if you don't. I do not. So feel free to share. Okay. So uh, for this episode, I did a little research because I started playing pickleball a couple of years ago. I was just an average tennis player. And for whatever reason, it's been a lot easier for me to play pickleball. And uh, it was actually developed in uh, 1965 by a former Washington state congressman. And that's why when you, when you serve, it's always to the, I believe, and I'll probably get corrected is to the Northwest, right? So you're, you know, when you're going zero, zero serve, uh, from that right side, it's because it was developed in the Pacific Northwest. It was Joel Pritchard. So <clears throat> he and a friend were actually looking to play badminton, but they couldn't find a full set of rackets. So they improvised and they played with basically wooden ping pong paddles and a wiffle ball. And with that collection of equipment, uh, they played on uh, an asphalt surface. They used a badminton net. They adjusted the height a bit to that of uh, the tennis height. And within two years of that, of 1965, the first court was constructed uh, next to Joel Pritchard's home. So within a few more years, uh, a corporation was developed to protect the sport. They actually uh, you know, got intellectual property over it. And the game has continued to grow. It's obviously played in all 50 states. I actually don't have any sense of what's going on outside the United States. I imagine it's gaining popularity. Um, and then the name was interesting. And there's a little bit of controversy how the name came about. So Joel Pritchard's wife, who was this congressman in, in Washington state, she started calling the game pickleball, allegedly, because the combination of multiple sports reminded her of a, a pickle boat and crew. That's where the oarsmen are chosen from the leftovers from all the other boats. That's the pickle boat. But others say that it actually uh, came from Pritchard's dog, and their dog's name was Pickles. So who knows what uh, truth or uh, fact or fiction here. But, um, you know, initially on, 
in the early years of the game, there actually wasn't an official name. And as it progressed, there was the, there was the need for this official name, and that's and that became pickleball. So it's it's continued to grow. Uh, as I mentioned, most of the pickleball players, about seventy percent of them, are above the age of sixty. So it's providing a competitive sports environment that, you know, m- you know, as we age, there's not a lot of c- competitive o- options for us. A lot of things become individual sports, exercise, and so forth. So I think that that's one of the greatest things about it. But you know, with it because of this population, lots of de- degenerative conditions that are quiet, they can easily get aggravated. Uh, but it's uh, it's a sport that's enjoyed you know pretty equally between men and women, slightly more than me- uh, men than women. Um, and it actually has its own governing body. There's the United States of American Pickleball Association, and that regulates professional play. I have actually have a couple of friends now who are playing at a, an extremely high level and never played tennis or any of these sports in their life, and they've become you know pretty avid pickleball players. So I think it's kind of cool to see the rise of an entirely new sport you know, in our lifetime. And um, it's something that you can pretty much play anywhere. You can set it up in a driveway. As long as you have enough length and width um, of you know, the, the, the area, you can pretty much set it up anywhere with these portable pickleball uh pickleball, you know, the, the, the net and so forth. So I guess, you know, and before we finish up, you know, do you have any uh, words of wisdom in terms of if you are injured, you know, what, how do you make a decision of, you know, should I get it evaluated more professionally? This is something I can shake off. And then some, some words of wisdom on how to get an athlete back to sport after they've sustained some level of injury. Yeah. So again, if you do have any sort of injury, it is best to seek a healthcare professional. Again, we as physical therapists are there for our patients. So we want to get them back to doing all sorts of functional activities, pickleball being one that uh, patients don't really want to drop. They want to continue, if not play more of it. Uh, so then that's what we'll work our, our goal towards is to help them get back to pickleball and help them um, get back to the function or that higher performance that they need to do. Our treatment then at that point would consist of, you know, starting with a lot of the strengthening, whether it's um, scapulohumeral rhythm type strengthening at the shoulder blade, um, going up and down the upper extremity, because sometimes weakness in different areas might cause injuries in different areas. So really just kind of addressing the whole upper extremity to get them back into, into the sport. Well, thanks for your words of wisdom. That's uh, Brandon Abonse, who's with uh, Rush PT and uh, who's relatively new to pickleball. So I appreciate you sharing some of your thoughts. It's, it's been a fascinating sport. I can you know tell you as you know, for our older patients, uh, dynamic warm up of some sort is pretty important. Um, you know, just because it's a, a racket and a wiffle ball doesn't mean that in a relatively small space, there's still a lot of cutting, pivoting and, you know, starting and stopping. So we're, we are seeing quite a few injuries. And I'd say over time, if people play long enough, you know, something's going to happen. So, you know, it's not just being careful, but I think uh, doing some type of exercise prep beforehand probably makes a big difference to uh, prevent injury. But, you know, as we get older, there's problems with balance and other things. So um, it's just things to be mindful of. But it is a great sport. It provides a, uh, <clears throat> a new way for us to be competitive of as we age. So that's another episode of Sports Medicine Weekly. And remember, that net proceeds go to support orthopedic research at Midwest Orthopedics and Rush University Medical Center. So please tune in again to our next episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, where you get to listen to your podcasts. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a five-star review. Make sure to also follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. 
Net proceeds from Sports Medicine Weekly go to support research at Rush University Medical Center in the Department of Orthopedics. The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is brought to you by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Being your best means always getting better. Whether you're looking to improve performance, relieve chronic back pain, or restore mobility through minimally invasive joint replacement surgery, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush delivers results. Their specialists are top ranked in Illinois and among the nation's best, working together to make your recovery faster, more complete, and a seamless experience. They'll get you back to living pain-free, often without surgery, so you can be your best every day. Schedule an appointment online at rushortho.com. JRF Ortho. JRF Ortho partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more or sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. With over 205 years of combined experience successfully representing victims of personal injury and wrongful death matters, the attorneys of Tomasic, Coton, Kasserman are committed to working for you. Reach them at 312-605-8800 or on the web at tkklaw.com. Karen Malkin Health Counseling. Have you tried Karen Malkin's new protein brownie bar and superfood bars? They're the best tasting bars on the market. Certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's protein brownie bars and superfood bars available on Amazon and at karenmalkin.com. You do a lot of listening in your lifetime. You listen to your doctor, your spouse, and this podcast. It's time to listen to your body. At Rush Physical Therapy, our expert therapists can help you get rid of your aches and pains to get you back to what you love. Go to rushpt.com to learn more.